Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, I have with me one of my favorite people, uh, sales job search expert, Claire Davis. Um, I love her bio. I'm going to start reading it. Sometimes life hands you lemons and Claire Davis led a successful medical sales, marketing and recruiting career and survived four consecutive company-wide layoffs. Each challenge though provided her with valuable lessons around what sales leaders must do to land the six-figure roles they want despite the odds. Today, she shows sales leaders how to steer their career advancement and make more money with custom resumes, LinkedIn profiles, and job strategies that work. Her methods are not grounded in theories or in books, but they're battle-tested to help job seekers stand out in very competitive arenas. Um, Claire, thank you so much for coming on this officially. You and I have done Clubhouse together. We've been on a couple things together, but um, this is the first time doing this podcast, so thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Virginia. It is my pleasure. Um, I'm beyond thrilled to be chatting with you today. So I, um, what I love about you is that you know a ton of sales and you have been through the ringer with <laughs> on the sales front with your job <laughs> situation, your careers. Give me a quick overview of how you came to be in this position, like how, how you decided to really help support job seekers. Oh, sure. So I will admit that I'm somewhat of an accidental entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell I you where you. I began. Right? <laughs> I feel like this happens to many of us. And and I think I've pinpointed after uh, chatting about it and describing it a, a couple times where I think I know where it all went, went this way. So I made one big mistake uh, right out of college. I had the wonderful opportunity to go to Ohio University and study marketing. And I landed a marketing gig right out the gate, which I absolutely loved out in Sacramento. But the first thing I did when I got my new desk was I bought a plant. And I think this is like a green plant, like the water. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a tiny potted plant. I decked out my cubicle and I even remember it's this very tricky fern, which now I realize it's a diff- difficult one to keep alive, but it's called the maiden hair fern. Anyway, it's a beautiful plant. And I was so proud of my workspace and having landed this job that I love. So I, I decorated this cubicle as if I would live in this role. Oh, you put, put down roots forever. I did. I hung lights. I had a framed picture, which actually I don't remember how I fixed to the side of my cubicle, probably a menagerie of text. <laughs> but, you know, I bought that plant in the sense that with the idea that I would be there forever. And I think that was sort of the first blow because six months later, when I was called into the office on a Friday, And given my walking papers because of a downturn in the economy in 2008, it was very clear to me that I put the cart before the horse a little bit, you know, and I, I think a lot of people can find themselves in that place uniquely in this decade, because 2020 being what it was, the career is something that is now more of a, you know, um, 
it's not a constant. It's not the, it's not the gold watch 20, 30 yeah. year place anymore. When That's you find right. a company that you love, even if it's the, it's the company that you feel like you'll be with forever. So <clears throat> what I didn't know, Virginia, and now I, I know that, you know, is that this would be my first of four layoffs. Wow. And that's why I sort of fell into this business, this accidental entrepreneurship sort of found me because I became sort of the go-to, I became sort of the big sister to friends and family and coworkers. Oh, you were the, when, oh God, I lost my job. Talk to Claire. She's been through it person. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, it ended up being that very familiar phone call of, oh, so-and-so's husband, you know, got laid off. Oh, talk to Claire right? Or so-and-so, um, you know, has this, had this great quarter in sales and then they upped her quota the next month and it's impossible to reach. And she's really stressed out. Go talk to Claire. She's definitely done that. Right. And it became this sort of wonderful litany of connecting with people in this very challenging situation. And it was almost therapeutic for me because I realized, okay, as traumatic as those times were, I'm not alone a lot of people go through this. And so Traction Resume was born at much um, insistence uh, from my dear husband, because he said, you know, if you're going to write every Tom, Dick and Harry's resume, you should probably be charging for it. And that's how Traction Resume began way back in 2015. I love that. Well, you're ahead of me. I didn't know anyone did it for a living and I wrote for free for over a decade. So, (laughs) um, but I, that, I mean, your story is just so, so encouraging for others because you're right. People aren't alone. People can have a great year and then still get laid off the next year. You're only yeah. as good as sort of what your most recent stuff shows. And sometimes it's even beyond that. It has nothing to do with your performance. So, right. And that right. that's a tough lesson to learn um, because when we were growing up, that wasn't something that really happened. You got laid off for cause or performance and that was it. Yeah. My, um, um, my grandfather was in the, in the uh, gas industry out in West Virginia and gas and mining for n- near 50 years. Wow. You know, his wife worked at the local school in between raising her five children for 40 years. You know, it was just that thing as you find this, you find this company in your town, you, you pay your dues, you do your schooling, you go to work and then you retire when you're done. And you stick around. It's yeah, no, I'm an, I'm an IBM kid. My dad immigrated here, barely spoke English, took a test to get a job and <laughs> IBM moved him around. We moved all over the place um, and even to another country, but he stayed until he left hmm. and there That's was amazing. no expectation that he would ever look anywhere else. Um, so you, I mean, I know you work with other people besides sales, but I really want to drill down on, on, on a lot of these questions with with the sales lens. Um, is there something that you sort of see as, um, sort of common or major challenges that are facing people in sales that are having to test the job search waters or maybe make a pivot that was unexpected? Are there sort of commonalities that you're seeing them come across? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, and I know, you know, you have given me so much insight over the years, um, with, with how I approach clients. And, and I think one of the things that, 
that I really enjoy about um, connecting with you and other writers is that there is this very quick understanding once you're in this space that if I could take every single resume out there from every single uh, different career path, I, I couldn't. It's There's just one of me, right? right? So for me, it made sense to really niche down to what I really like to do and what I, what I know. And so sales for me became sort of just this natural conversation because I enjoyed being in sales myself. And so what's interesting to me though, is that when I first opened my business, it was about six months in and I got a call from my previous manager. Now he was an impressive sales manager. He was one of those people who would get a totally chaotic team of rambunctious youngsters with dreams and get them to march to the beat of a single drum. And he called me completely unsure how to work a job search and write a resume. And I thought to myself, I thought, oh my God, this man like taught me nearly everything I know about sales and, and marketing too, for that matter. And he's coming to me wanting to know how to sell and market himself. And I thought, oh my God, this is the missing link. This is the missing link for salespeople. You've got these incredibly passionate, vulnerable, diehard salespeople who are just committed. No, they know how to market products and services, it, right? Exactly. But when it comes to their own story or using the power that they already harness, are they already practiced for their own means? They haven't thought about it that way. It's almost like they go to the training for their specific product and their, um, and they learn how to be really great in sales for somebody else. But when it comes to their own story and their own career advancement, they forget you can use all of that for yourself. So here's an example. We would always go to these big sales meetings, usually out at some like hotel, (laughs) airport hotel out in Dallas or like some giant place with a ballroom. And we'd all sit there in our pods and we would listen to this top salesperson of the year. And what they always wanted the top salesperson of the year to talk about would be their unique style and Mm -hmm. what's bringing them business. So I remember this one gentleman going up and he said, he stood up there and he said, I've developed the five and five. You work on five connections with five specific people, and then you move them through your funnel. And after you get those five specific connections with each of those five people, you add five more because by then you're developing a really sound, beautiful relationship. So job search. Exactly right, but if but if we're not geared to be thinking or or having to think about our job search, we would never connect those dots of oh, and that's also an amazing way to network while I still have a job for the next one. So it's really fun for me to work with salespeople because they come with such unique drive and expertise in sales, and I get to this you know, joy out of helping them translate what they already know. Cause these people are smarter than me. They work harder than me. They're incredible. And all I get, all I have to do is help them see that what they're already great at can be used for their own good. And that's why. Yeah. I love Cause job search fundamentally is it's a giant sales and marketing campaign. 
Yep. Soup to nuts. Um, I get that creating their own marketing collateral is probably hard. And in sales, usually there's a marketing department that does that. But Mm -hmm. aside from that, the rest of job search really, uh, to me, should be the most intuitive people to people that are in sales and marketing. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, there's so many ways that I mean, for example, medical sales is a very difficult uh, sale, especially now, because yeah. you literally can't get into most hospitals and medical offices. Right. Within no, the, the last barrier's so tough right now. Days. I know. <laughs> so it's like, okay, but see, sales folks are all have always been presented with that kind of a challenge. You know, you've got a physician who's seeing 100 patients per day. How do you find a way and the will to get that physician to spend some time with you to talk about a product they're not using yet, right? So that beca- that comes with its whole host of strategy and challenges. And so many of those can be used directly in the job search when you're trying to reach a seemingly untouchable hiring manager. You're right. right? They are salespeople, especially in healthcare. You're right. They are great at, at uh, overcoming obstacles and getting past those gatekeepers. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Um, so what advice, and I mean, I I do work a lot with sales folks as well. And a lot of people that I am, a, a lot of people are saying, I, I want to get into medical device, you know, that mm-hmm. or, or tech sales, just because I think the, because of the salary potential. Um, do you work with people or what, what advice do you give to people that are thinking about making a move into sales? Hmm. That is, that is my, my bread and butter. <laughs> I love working with people who want to get into sales. I think the first piece is mindset and in two ways. Number one, everyone needs to realize that what they do should be something that's at the cross section between what they're good at, where they get results, and what they really enjoy. So, you know, um, before like we were recording today, Virginia, you and I were talking about different styles of exercise, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So the only ones that are going to last, the only ones that we're going to stick with are the ones that, yes, get results because, you know, we believe in getting something out of that time we spend exercising. But but also, and even more importantly, things that we enjoy. Yeah, because you're, right, you're right. No matter how good it is for you, you're not going to do it if you hate it. 100%. 100%. Um, that's why I try my hardest to be regular about it. I'm not always, but I love to jump rope. I have forever. And so it wasn't until someone unlocked that for me and said, Claire, if you love to jump rope, make that your thing. And so that's now my thing. No way. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, uh, there might be Ruth and a competitive <laughs> traveling jump rope team, but we can talk about that on the next podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. My son did j- jump rope. He was on jump rope team in elementary school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> was he the one that was like doing the flips into the jump no, rope? No, no. Oh, he was man. trying though, but yeah, no. <laughs> that's pretty legit. We're going to have to have a whole other show about that. <laughs> so if someone wants to, or they want to jump into sales or maybe they're in sales and they want to pivot into a different kind of sale. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you have for them to sort of get started? Well, first it's all about getting focused on the opportunity that you want next. And I know you, I mean, you know this so well, and I know this is the way you coach your clients too. 
The one area that I see a lot of folks, salespeople included, though a lot of times they've already made this mental shift, is that folks need to focus on their results. And the thing is, you know, when you're working with people who've got five, 10 plus years of experience, they've accomplished a lot. Even people who've been in it for less than five years have accomplished enormous, wonderful things in their life. And where I see a lot of resumes falling flat and not serving the people that they're written about is when they don't, they focus so much on the, you know, chronological Mm -hmm. history and all the responsibilities they've ever done so that they think that if somebody looks at this, they will say, wow, this person can do it all. Right. But I've been playing guitar since college. Okay. And I'm not going to date myself, but I will say it's been more than 10 years (laughs) since I graduated college, but could I play you a full song and read the music to do it? No. So that's why we can't, rely on responsibilities we've got to talk results because if somebody was like great you've been playing 10 years can you go and you know play at my wedding my answer would have to be no and so the same thing is important with a resume so when people are trying to pivot into sales period or they're trying to pivot into a different kind of sales first they've got to focus on the results and a really easy way for everybody listening to do this right now with any of their professional branding including their resume is to look at the bullets and at the end, write in two words. If you can write resulting in at the end of every bullet point, it will help to refine every single piece of information on your resume. And sometimes that information is already there. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, sometimes there are great bullets, right? You've got, you're talking about your results and say you've got that stuff dialed. But if you can, if you can answer resulting into every piece of the, of your resume, then you know that you're not only telling people what you know how to do, you're helping them create this image in their mind of what they can receive from you by bringing you aboard. And that's the whole point of a resume. So then Say you want to go into a different kind of sales. So you look at these results and you look at the opportunity at hand, you do your research and you see what they're interested in. And then you find that cross section of where do my results overlap with what this company is asking for? How can I make their life easier? And what have I done already that would tackle that problem for them? And I think that's the best way to pivot. I you know, agree with that. Because when you show accomplishments and, and you, you have context with what you're doing is you're showing the responsibility, but you're showing the impact impact of it. And most people, when they read them, then they it's natural for them to say, oh, well, that's what I need to. It mm-hmm. shows it sh- you suddenly have made that bullet transferable to whatever the pivot is you're trying to make. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. put resulting, ask yourself resulting in at the end of every bullet and see if it's been answered by the bullet. If it's not, put it in there and then you rewrite the bullet, but at least you're making yeah. sure that you answer that. I love that. And you know, it's, it's, I love the word you use there, impact, right? And I don't feel, I don't want anyone to feel intimidated by this process, by this resulting in exercise, because really, you know, it, whenever you, whenever you are challenged by something, I, tr- I truly deeply believe this. Whenever we're challenged by something or we, we don't quite have it yet, 
that's just a signal. It's a signal to say, if I can't, if I can't say (laughs) resulting in, if I can't answer that question yet, I just have a little homework to do. That's right. That's right. I want to, I want to do a little more digging there and really show them. And, um, so I hope it's not intimidating to everybody. No, really I love that. And, I, and I've heard people say like, <laughs> well, that you're supposed to answer so what, but I think resulting in sounds kinder. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. So what's something my kids would say. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But no, and that's that's easy to do. And um, and when you run out of responses, then you know that you have answered that bullet comprehensively. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, so what, so you've sort of given me some great answers for, or, support for people that are looking to make a move and they haven't yet, you know, they're just starting their job search. What Mm -hmm. about that person who comes to you and they have been, they have been job hunting. It is not going well. How do Mm -hmm. you help them regroup and refocus? What advice would you have for them? Such a great question. And first regrouping is key. I remember the first time I was laid off, it was a really dark place. It was so uncertain and (laughs) I didn't learn my lesson once. I had to learn it twice because I went went back and worked for that company again and got laid off a second time. So then I left for good. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But you know, um, first you, you do have to regroup and you have to, there's a couple ways that I have found worked for me. One, I had to go back and look at the things at the previous job that I really liked doing. Because generally, when they were things I really liked doing, the results naturally flowed. Because I was so invested in the project because it was fun. It was fun to do. And whatever is fun. The performance came easy because it didn't feel like a chore. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I would say, go back and think about the enjoyable experiences that you had at whichever companies you worked for prior. Okay. And the second piece of advice I would have is not to try and change everything at once. One thing I see that gets really frustrating for folks, especially if they're out of work is you know, they're on LinkedIn, they're getting these great tips from all these great coaches, you know, and they're like, okay, I'm going to suddenly start like a massive engagement strategy. And I'm going to rehaul overhaul all my documents. And I'm going to light the world on fire XYZ. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, they're putting up a post that's like, I'm completely burned out. I don't know what yeah. to do. And I'm sad. And that is completely natural, because that kind of momentum can't be sustained. So I would recommend to try something new, but not reinvent the entire wheel right away. So for example, look at your strengths and look at what, what served you in the past. So for me, I love to talk to people. I love to network with people naturally. I'm the woman, I'm the annoying woman in the grocery store making friends while we're at the (laughs) checkout line. Like that's definitely me. Okay. I know this to be true because now my four-year-old, when we go to the park, he doesn't run to the swings. He runs to the nearest adult to start a conversation. So I know this is unique. Apple tree. Got it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say first, you know, which part of your, uh, which part of your role, previous roles did you enjoy and work for you? And maybe start focusing on that thing. So if that's up your alley, start making connection on, 
connections on LinkedIn and start conversations with people at companies where you're interested. Okay. If that's not it, maybe, maybe you're more of an analyst, right? Or maybe you're really into systems, then start putting together a system for yourself to support you as you move through your job search. So maybe you know that you have to um, identify five companies every week and you want to reach out to three people at those companies. So you're going to create this spreadsheet with reminders and automation, whatever serves you, use it. And then change that one thing and, and focus on it, practice it for a little bit and see where it gets you. And then the final piece is use LinkedIn like nobody's business. There is so much information out there online. And that's great because I mean, effectively, we could all be experts in everything. But on LinkedIn, there are a lot of coaches and a lot of mentors who are really willing to respond to those DMs, to respond to the comments on their posts where they're leaving really actionable advice. And that's where I find people can succeed if they get curious enough. So those are the three things I would say. So I love that. And what is cool about LinkedIn is whether you, going back to your step two, so let's say you are a great networker, LinkedIn is the world's greatest CRM to help that Mm -hmm. along. Um, If you are more of an analyst, um, LinkedIn is great, again, the world's greatest CRM to get lots of intel and um, allow you to do the analysis you need to do, you know, really do the research and the homework. So it's sort of a, it's a multi-purpose tool. It's so true. In fact, just using it might unlock your brilliance in a particular area. You know, now the newest thing is video interviews. Like I, I just worked with a client, the, another client the other day who has been asked to interview to a live recorded question, but there's nobody on the other end of the screen. Oh, they're doing one way no. AI interviewing. Oh God. It, mm-hmm. I mean, not my cup of tea, but I know there are many, many, many candidates out there. So this is how this particular company is looking to get it done. But the thing is by going on a place like LinkedIn, you can find people who will tell you exactly how to be excellent at that particular thing with a, just a quick search of some key terms. So, no, you know, really people true. always say, yeah. And, you know, people always say finding a job is a job right? Finding a job mm-hmm. is a job in itself. And it's true. But I think a lot of folks stop at the, at the, the meaning of that being that it's a job in the sense that it requires so much work. But really, if you think of it as finding a job is a job in itself, because you can identify what you're naturally good at at work and make that work for you. That's a different thing. That's when things start to happen. So video that. is your game. And that feels a lot less overwhelming to start start with the, the parts of job search that you're naturally good at and exactly. see how far that can carry you. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, no, this one-way interviewing stuff is no joke. My son was, yeah. I mean, he's right out of college, but he, when he was interviewing with all these Fortune 100 banks, they were all using them. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, painful. New world. Whole new world. Um, no such good advice. Um, okay, so next question: What about those people that come to you with, you know, they're at that crossroads where they have lots of different skills. They're super diverse, and they're like, "Well, I could do this, or I could do that, or I could do the other." Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on people that are multi-skilled and very, very open to what they want to do? Yes. I love these people. 
Um, so I love to term these people multi-passionate as I am, I like that. <laughs> as I think we all are really. Um, and what I have to say to everybody listening who feels that they fall into this bucket of being multi-passionate is that you are well suited to do any of those things well and to succeed if you focus on one at a time or maybe, maybe a couple at a time. So for them, I find the best results are going to be when it can be a focused effort toward one of your passions, right? Because if we try to do too many things, if I try to be great on LinkedIn and in my business and on Twitter and on Facebook, and it's, you can't be everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Now there can be a lot of the elements that you love in one job. And if you can find that amazing, but probably unless you're the CEO and running your own business, you'll probably be, you know, focusing in one area of the business. So for these people, I like to play a game (laughs) called the post-it party. And it sounds really cheesy and it is. And I get cheesier as as the day goes on. (laughs) (laughs) So a post-it party is where essentially you grab a giant stack of post-its and you start writing down, you take five minutes at a time for each role that you've had at each company. And you take five minutes and you write down as fast as you can, the biggest results that you got there, the stuff you're really, really proud of. And it doesn't have to be, you know, well thought out. It could be a a quick jotted down message. It could be something with a number attached to it or not, because you can find that later. But you get all these results on your post-its and you throw them up on your wall. And then you start connecting the dots. Because the reality is we're all multi-passionate. I love to play music badly and jump rope (laughs) and write resumes and do marketing and faux finish interior walls. But I can't do them all at one time. So what I do is you look at this you look at this smattering of results you now have on your wall and you start connecting the dots, right? What starts making sense to you in your career that one, you really enjoyed? What was easy for you? What results keep coming up? Are you, are you, you know, banding together disjointed teams? Okay. So find you, those common threads that way. Exactly. Exactly. And those are the kind of things that you start looking, you start grouping in your mind and then start thinking of the company start thinking of the companies you're after and the roles you're after, which ones play, which of your strengths play to that company or what they're looking for. The post-it party or the results post-it party, whatever you want to call it, um, has really been helpful for a lot of people. And if anyone is struggling with getting their results down on paper, which I'll just be honest, is hard for folks who are new to their career, just as it is for people at the C-level, and 100%. those who have their own company. Mm-hmm. So don't nobody feel right. I mean, I know Virginia, you've seen it a hundred thousand times, right? Nobody feel like they it's are behind. It's so the hard to ball. write your story. The best writers, the it best is. marketers. It's just, it's hard. Your own blood, sweat and tears. A hundred percent. Totally. We're almost like too close to it. Would you agree? Agree. Yep. <laughs> so I would say do your post-it party. And then if you find something that's really like, that really you felt stood out in your career and you want to be known for it and you feel like it was a just a knockout result that you got, go find the numbers to support it. That's step two. And then you've and then you'll have some really, really great elements to talk about 
and to hold, like to hold right in your heart so that you know when you're moving to your next step, you want to get more of that. You know what you bring. It's very empowering. What I love about that is that, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this, when people are looking, when, when someone is hiring for someone, they they are looking for a specialist. Even though once they hire you, chances are they love that you are multi-passionate and they're going to tap into all those other skills. But when they're first looking, they're just they're like, this is my need. Who can fit it? Um, so by the, I, the, I love the poster party exercise, but this helps you to hone in on whatever it is you want to be known for and hopefully have someone read it and say, well, that's the need I need filled. Mm-hmm. Versus I can do all these things um, because pe- people get confused by that when they read. Yeah, it's um, good to be able to see it all. And then, you know, like you said, focus it down, you know, yeah. group them, group them. Yeah. What makes yeah. sense to, if I'm applying to a project management job, what makes sense to that? That's if right. I'm going for or, sales, I had looking this- at those might make you go, okay, well, this is the commonality. Maybe I need to focus on this, these kinds of roles. Yes. Versus targeting yes. a bunch of different ones. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, Nailed it. So next question, a little flippant. I don't mean it to be so, but I'd love to hear from you. Um, <laughs> what drives you most nuts when it comes oh. to job seeker mishaps? Is there well, sort of one thing where you're like, oh, I can't believe they keep doing this over and over again? Yes, there is. And, you know, I think that it comes from a place of uncertainty and a place of maybe a small lack of self-confidence, which listen, when you're on the job market, desperation is, is abound, right? It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you feel it, I felt it every time. It didn't matter how prepared I was for that company to kick me out. It's a super unsettling time. It truly, truly is. So, so I'm not calling, if I'm calling anyone out, know that I'm calling myself out too. But one thing that I see occasionally, and I've been through it myself with clients and friends and family that drives me nuts is when we are, when somebody puts their name on the line for you, or someone helps create a connection that maybe you needed or opens a door for job seekers, walk through it. And I don't mean take that job. I'm not saying that, Yeah, but if somebody makes a warm connection for anybody listening, if somebody, you know, builds a bridge to somebody you're looking to know or makes an opening at a company that mm-hmm. maybe isn't even exactly what you're interested in, go explore that thing. There's something that um, Marie Forleo, <clears throat> who's an incredible entrepreneur, coach, writer, author, host of Marie TV. She's amazing. And I learned a lot from her. And one thing that she told me was or told everybody, I wish I could say Marie was just talking to me and like over coffee. That'd be amazing. But she, she said, um, one thing to ask yourself when you think, you know, what you want and you think that maybe new opportunities aren't, aren't even worth listening to stop and ask yourself, what can I learn here? And I, now I do this all the time because I was definitely for a while, that person who was like, I got it. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm not going to keep my eyes. I've got my blinders on. I'm focused. Mm-hmm. And, and to a, to a certain degree, focus is really important, but 
there have been times when information was or opportunity was presented to me that I felt like, oh, this would have been really good when I was maybe just starting my business. Like, but I think I'm beyond that now. And now instead of thinking that way, I, I listen because don't, don't close any door. Exactly. You just never know. You never know where opportunity is going to come from. And if somebody extends that olive branch, please take it, follow through because know that the person who is vouching for you is putting their name on the line. And by not at least exploring that opportunity and then thanking them for doing that, you might be burning a bridge. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't set yourself up that way. Just ask yourself, what can I learn here? Even if you feel like it's not for you and thank the connection and, and just, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Bless it and release it. (laughs) And even, even the, it might be just something teeny tiny that you learn, but I, I don't think I just, I'm thinking back to my own experiences. Even if I got the smallest granule of information and it's something where I said, okay, you know what? Now I'm certain I don't want to do this. That's still some a lesson learned and you are being respectful to the person that that uh, opened that door for you yes exactly that's exactly right and you know um i think mostly people want to help other people people want to help people people want to help people and people want to help people they like that's true (laughs) and if somebody takes the time to do it just be sure to honor that and, um, and just show a little appreciation, um, or just say, Hey, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm going to look into it. Even if it's not something you think could be That's an amazing right. opportunity, you That's just right. never know. You never know. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well sort of pivoting to a completely different topic, but I always want to make sure that I ask this, um, because it's coming up quite regularly now. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk around discrimination around, mm-hmm especially in sales, when it comes to hiring practices from ageism to racism, to sexism, like all the isms, Mm -hmm. what are, what are your thoughts on it in terms of how you help, how are you helping job seekers to navigate this, especially in healthcare sales, especially I've always heard things around ageism for sure. Yeah. You know, that's such a brutal reality in many industries, isn't it? And I'm so glad. In fact, I've had the honor now of working with some specific, you know, DEI um, executives now. Mm -hmm. And I love that diversity, equity, inclusion, um, you know, uh, embracing the feminine, like um, support for women and men in the workplace, parents in the workplace. I so love that those things are coming to the forefront during this age because I look at my kids and think, what's it going to be like when you are in the working world? Right. And I hope that things like ageism and sexism and, you know, inclusion are still, um, you know, are are maybe, maybe even figured out by then. Right. Who knows? Hopefully we'll have it figured out. That would, but um, I would say that this is no new problem right? These things have been around for a really long time, as have many, many challenges and unfairnesses in life. And I feel like it's probably how we move forward to create the better environment. It's how we respond to those things that make all the difference in the world. So with that in mind, 
there's a story I was just thinking of yesterday. I was talking to somebody on LinkedIn. He said, yeah, I was in America and he's not a, a U.S. citizen, but he said, I was in America and I had an I Love USA hat on. And people were mocking me in New York. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. So he goes, you know, this was in relation to should I put military experience on my resume? For uh, which my answer is 100 yeah. percent. And thank you for your service. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, now, my response to him was, I'm so sorry that I that you had that experience. However, if it came to a company where I saw those things as a problem or I was mocked in an interview or treated rudely because of my um, my gender, my age, my the, what part of the world I'm from, that for me is an immediate answer to just walk out the door. And I think that is the way I want job seekers to look at opportunities that don't align with their values. It goes back to the fact that when you're in that job seeking space and you're feeling like desperate, you know, and you've got to pay bills. I mean, let's be real. Being a job seeker is no fun. It sucks. And can I say that on your podcast? You can say it. (laughs) Yes, you may. (laughs) It's a terrible feeling, right? It can be a terrible feeling. It can be a feeling full of opportunity, but a lot of times that, that sneaky little imposter syndrome will creep in and you just have to keep it at bay. Yeah. But if opportunities present themselves, please, please, job seekers, anyone listening to this, don't feel that you have to change your values to meet a companies that you yeah. don't believe in. You'll be miserable. It, it, you're right. You, you have to. And what I think is good about a lot of the exploration exercises that you've referenced is that it helps you to get clear on what you're good at, what your deal breakers are, what what's important to you, what's not, um, so that yeah. you can determine, you know what, this this is going to require me to have to make too many changes and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have an opportunity to shape the future of work. And sometimes that's just by, you know... That's just by either accepting or not accepting what's currently happening. Yeah, no, agree. Agree. I love that. Um, okay, second to last question for you. What are, let's say someone comes up to you in the grocery store and they find out what you do for a living and they say, oh, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start looking for a job. What are two things that I absolutely have to have? What would you, what tools would you say are must for them? Well, first of all, they need to listen to Virginia Franco's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) First first of all, I would say, are you on LinkedIn? Because the reality of the workforce now is that every candidate that I know of and every recruiter I connect with, they look up their candidates 100% of the time before they're hired. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, if you want to... If you don't have a filled out LinkedIn profile, you really need to get it filled out. Even if it's not beautiful, just be present and get your information on there. Even if it just sits because you're not right. comfortable with posting right. quite you're yet. And that's a static whole page, right? Exactly. Just be there. And the reason is they're looking for you anyway. And your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So when someone goes to your profile and you haven't filled it out, or maybe the information is super old or it's a, 
you know, you listed that you worked for Enron at one time and you're like, ah, I should have updated that. <laughs> like it's a very, um, it's very clear these days that everybody is looked up online before they are hired. Um, even if it's, that's supposed to not be the way that it is. No, they it do. Is the they, um, they search there to find you. They certainly go on LinkedIn to vet. They go to, we know that they go to other social media sites to vet you, but at the very least, you need something there that that reflects you so that when you're not in the room, you're comfortable with what they're saying. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, not to mention, you know, what we talked about earlier, which is that once you're on LinkedIn, it's this like explosion of networking and tips mm-hmm. and support. And you could run a full court press job search just by watching some of the thought leaders here on LinkedIn and learning from what they share for free, I might add, yeah, mostly right there on the platform. So it's almost like a gateway to the great to a great job search. I love it, that. Even from the get go. And the second thing I would recommend is don't go it alone. And this can be taken in a couple of different ways. So if you have other friends who are also seeking a job, right, or maybe who got recently hired or laid off or whomever it is, just a friend to help keep you accountable and to help to lift your spirits on the times that get a little hard. Yeah. It's so worth its weight in gold to not go through that alone. And if you can find someone who will act as a mentor for you in that way, even better. That's why. Oh, sorry, Virginia. No worries. Oops. <laughs> um, sit on the couch and I'll get you one of those. And so I would say, <clears throat> Sit on the couch and I'll get them for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, the reality is of working from home. That's okay. right. Exactly. But I would say f- find a mentor here. Here's an example. This is not an exactly related, you know, job search example, but it's a, it's a mentor example. A couple of months ago, our house needed painted badly. And, you know, I'm talking like, it was like three different colors on the siding on one side oh, where Lord. the sun hit it and okay. baked it all summer, right? Bad. So I thought, okay, I used to refinish interior walls. That was part of my career history. I did some faux finishing. I got this. I'm going to pick some colors that will make this neighborhood swoon, right? So I go to pick a color. It turns out the color I chose was like a hue of salmon. Yeah. And it was awful. Like pink? <laughs> Like pink with white <laughs> trim. It was like a candy stripe house. It was awful. Not to oh, mention God. our homes are supposed to all be nature colors. So I thought perhaps not the inside of a fish as the color. But anyway, <laughs> so I said, okay, back to the drawing board. So I go back and I, I'm really researching Virginia. I'm looking online. I'm trying to get this down. And I pick another color and it looks awful with the stone. It was like a weird gray and the stone is also gray. And it just looked really like a prison. And I'm like, well, I can't do that either. So the third time... Finally, I gave up and I went to Benjamin Moore paint and I said, can you please God help me pick a color for this house? And they helped me pick a color. And the reason I bring that up is because after very, after a litany of different colors and not having help and not knowing exactly how to pick a color and how the undertones worked and all of those things, I finally got smart and ended up getting some help, which saved me time and money. And I wish I would have done it in the beginning. 
Have you had a scenario like that before? Oh my gosh. Well, not with painting because I wouldn't even try to attempt that on my own, but plenty of times where I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then, yeah, I can, but I do it badly or it takes too long. And that's the story of my life. Um, But you're right. I get that because um, ideally a mentor who can help to fast track what would otherwise be a laborious process mm-hmm. is yeah. super helpful. So what color did you decide on your house? <laughs> it's called Weimariner, like the dog. Like the dog. And it's a, yep. It's a chameleon color. It worked out beautifully. And Lovely. Thank you to Benjamin. <laughs> Any Benjamin Moore employees looking for a resume? There I will you go. You You're account. done. You just sent me an that. email. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your two tools then are LinkedIn and get yourself a village, ideally with a mentor in it. Yes, exactly. Love that. All right. Um, so very last question. You, I know you are super busy. You're on Clubhouse. You have your business. Tell me what is next for you as we get ready to look at 2022. For 2022, I'm hoping to provide more DIY services for job seekers so that they can start using some of the things they learn online and be empowered to put them into the place themselves. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one work and <clears throat> sorry, I've got a no worries. Very chatty little baby yeah. back there. Ah. But, um, so, so the next thing I'm working on is some DIY stuff. I've got a resume course, hopefully coming out probably in the first quarter of 2022. Okay. And I'm going to try and help people feel more empowered on video as well. Because I know (laughs) I um, had the uh, absolute fortune of working with Matt Zahn, who's now a dear friend of mine. And we work, we work together. We put this show together on Thursdays called power hour, Mm -hmm. but it really just came about as sort of a, a, a wish for an entrepreneurial mastermind. And we thought, well, if we could get enough people on a call, to swap ideas, we'd all grow in business. And so it forced me to get more comfortable with public speaking, with sharing a message, with interviewing experts, much my senior and much more accomplished than I am. And I'm really looking forward to sharing those things that I learned so people can use them. Because what we're seeing online is that when it comes to personal branding, or interviewing for that matter, or calling on clients, especially in medical offices, you've got to be compelling on video. Yeah. It's not not going anywhere. It is not going anywhere. Yeah. So, so just a couple tips to help people feel more confident and to help them to understand one, why it's important to be able to master a video call with a client, because there are really compelling ways to connect with people through the camera lens and I want everyone to have accessibility to that. Oh, that is wonderful. So if people want to keep up with you, reach out to you, um, I have on the bio, your tractionresumes.com website mm-hmm. link, and also link to your LinkedIn. Um, I know you have a uh, sales template on a sales resume template on jobsearchjourney.com for some DIY support. Are there any other places where you would like to shout out in terms of where, how people can best find you? Well, most recently having the template up on job search journey has been amazing. 
And for anybody listening, I'm sure you've checked it out. And if not, you definitely should. Uh, Virginia was part of this incredible trio that created Job Search Journey, which is like the the Amazon for job seekers. And it's an amazing idea. So you guys are brilliant for making those resources available at a great we you are know, so excited, but yeah, your cost. her template is specifically for salespeople. It's super affordable. It's like what twenty five, thirty dollars, next to nothing. Um, and it's yeah. and it's ATS friendly, which is a lot of templates out there are not. Um, so absolutely yeah. great resource. Um, so that's jobsourcejourney.com. Then traction resumes if you're interested in one on one. Um, what about your clubhouse stuff? When are you? Oh yeah. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully this month or next, we're going to start up, uh, again, Virginia, you and me and Kenneth Lane. We're doing our, we're doing our, (laughs) that's LinkedIn live though, right? That's not, that's not on Clubhouse. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, hopefully we could do it live, but if anybody is interested in, you know, not, not that I don't want to talk resumes all the time because I do. In fact, my husband is like, thank God you found your resume tribe because talking about resumes every night at dinner while I love you, honey, isn't my favorite thing. Yeah. So um, I have a sh- we have a show we produce on Thursdays called Power Hour. And it's hearing from business leaders on all kinds of topics from marketing and sales to uh, yesterday, we had a guy speaking to us about innovation and what that kind of looks like in a team and how to develop it to, you know, gratitude practices and then how to show up online video better. So find us, you can find that at Power Hour which is awesome. on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn company power hour, I think. Awesome. Well, Claire, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to your little one. Cause it sounds like he is demanding your attention. Um, but thank you very, very much. You gave just really great, actionable, practical uh, exercises and tips. Really, really good stuff. Thank you. Oh, I'm so honored, Virginia. Thank you so much for this and, and everything that I know, you know, you have helped me with. And uh, now I better go find a babysitter. All right. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, Virginia. Bye. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.